What's up and welcome into the lead block, everybody. Good to be back off the holidays. Getting in the the real back to the regular swing of things here. Um, we got a lot today. Obviously, we're on Skype again. Uh, off the top, we don't know when you're hearing this because producer Brendan is an all-day drive. Um, we're recording it on Thursday. Producer Brendan has an all-day drive Friday from New Jersey back to South Carolina. Um so this will be coming to you either happy friday like i said at the top or happy monday um but it'll be out and we'll do we got some stuff on interesting stuff on the docket today college football playoff talk preview um that's the other thing i wanted to say uh matthew is we have um we got college football playoff monday uh possibly today if you're listening to this and we will release an episode probably Wednesday after the uh, college football playoff because we don't want to wait until Friday to, to to do a recap of the college football playoff game or the, the championship game. Um, so we'll see you. Our schedule will be weird for this next uh, seven days or so. And then everything should be good. College football playoff championship. Uh, my name is Tyler Walters. I'm your host, uh, Matthew Andrews. Matthew, how you doing? Doing great, man. How about you? Doing, doing good. Doing good. We'll start in Athens this week. I know I was texting you a little bit about this earlier. Um, Georgia is not looking good. It, from a fan's perspective, I, today I am so – the SEC next year, and I get we haven't even played the championship, the college football championship this year. Um. And we've got an SEC team playing. But the SEC just opened up tremendously. And for the reasons we're, reasons we're about to talk about, Florida is easily my favorite to win the East next year. Yeah, and the West, awesome. the, the West is wide open. We'll talk about the West uh, after we talk about Georgia real quick. But, um, yeah, it, it's looking – it is just crazy in the SEC. Um, they're losing the SEC is losing its stability and in going into 2020 for sure. Um, but I mean, that'll just make it more interesting for us next year. You got a lot of things going on. So we'll start, you know, before we get to Georgia, you got Muschamp here in Columbia. He's in year going into year five. Um, he's on the hot seat. So Definitely. we don't know what's coming out of South Carolina. Dan Mullen down at Florida who had a, a lot better team than I thought he would have this past year, um, who will be definitely competing for Nessie's championship next year. Georgia just got knocked back down the pedestal a little bit. Tennessee's on the rise. Vanderbilt's still Vanderbilt. Kentucky, I'm not really sure what to think about Kentucky. I mean, they had that good run, you know, what will be uh, two seasons ago now um, as, as we start 2020. But, and they finished top 10. But I don't know if we're going to get that Kentucky. I think we're going to get a competitive Kentucky because they were competitive this year for the most part, and they had a receiver starting at quarterback for the last half of their season. Um, <laughs> so that's that's the East for you. And, and Missouri, Missouri just hired Eli Drinkwitz um, out of Appalachian State. And that's the East for you. And then in the West, you have Kellamond, who I'm still not sure about, who was great at times and bad at times. Not bad, just like, less than average at times like 
it wasn't what we thought Kellen Mond was. He he didn't sustain his peak. Um, so you got A and M, who had an interesting season this year, considering they only lost to like teams that were ranked in the top four. Uh, three of them were number one at the time they played them. Um, then you so you have A and M. You have Bama, who is losing Tua, as we predicted the other day. He did, Tua did declare for the NFL draft. Um, you got Bama, who's losing Tua, and Mac Jones behind him, who looks like Alabama quarterbacks of 10 years ago. You got Ole Miss. Reminds me of Coker. Okay. Um, specifically, uh, or, excuse me, in Mississippi, you got Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. And you got a little something else happening down there that we'll talk about at the end of the show in, in Mississippi, at Mississippi State. Auburn, you got Auburn, who's losing a good bit of their defense, and Bo Nix is their quarterback, who we were both high on at the beginning of the season and was kind of average for the rest of the way. Um, so we don't know what we're getting out of Bo Nix. You got Arkansas with a new head coach who's still going to be Arkansas. I don't think we're going to see much growth out of them next year. And two are missing. Oh, LSU's losing Joe Burrow. Um, and is that it? I think we hit all of them. Yeah, that's uh, it. And about so, all, oh, they got Chad Morris, who will be helping uh, Bo Nix develop. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, that could be a big change. I mean, that could take, he could take easily take Bo Nix from an average quarterback with some big game moments this year to a quarterback that's performing really well, sustaining performance uh, all year easily. But we don't know what we got in, in the West for sure, or in the East. Um, I think the East is more so, like, we have a favorite more so than we do in the West. And the reason for that is because all hell is broken loose in Athens this week. So we start off what we got. DeAndre Swift is going to the draft. We kind of knew that. Um, and then... Like uh, some other guys declare for the draft, some offensive linemen. I think three offensive linemen declare for the draft. Yeah, um, one of the best offensive linemen, or I would say the best offensive line in college football this past year. I mean, you can probably put Clemson's and Wisconsin's right up there too. Um, but Georgia, Georgia's offensive line has been really good. LSU's is also pretty good this year. Um, but you got three of them going to the draft. Uh, you're missing a receiver. It basically, it comes down to Georgia now has two two returning starters on offense for 2020 uh, from 2019. Jake Fromm shocked me and said he was going to the draft this week. Did that shock you? Uh, it shocked me a little bit. I feel like he's very confident in himself. But his performance this year has been a little bit of subpar, especially whenever he didn't have his receiver, uh, the guy who got kicked out the game against Georgia Tech. You remember his name? Uh, Pickens. Yeah, well, he didn't have him, and then whenever Pickens did play, he was, for the most part, the majority of the offense besides, obviously, Swift. But Jake Fromm is, according to the ESPN, fifth uh, best quarterback eligible in the draft, and he was a 35-6 and six as a starter. And just a little side note here, since he's leaving, I think they'll enter the, uh, look into the portal to see if they can get either Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, K.J. Catella from Stanford, or Anthony Brown from Boston College. Is all those guys have entered the portal? Uh, yeah, I heard. Uh, I heard the favorite for Georgia quarterback is is the kid from Wake Forest. Yeah. Um, Fields. They have Eason and they have Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm ends up winning out the job, and now you've got just three short years later, you got nobody. 
and you don't know what the hell to do. I think everyone kind of thought Jake Fromm was staying. I certainly did. Because if you're Jake Fromm, like, what are you... He's in that weird kind of bubble position where, to me, it was like he's declaring for the NFL draft. I thought he was going to come back because he wasn't that great this... And, like, I mean, I he wasn't what he thought he... Or what anyone thought he could be or should be um maybe he's just thinking he's just talked with people who think if he gets to the next level he can develop a lot quicker sitting on the bench somewhere and getting some nfl coaching into him and the nfl quarterbacks coaches are all elite i mean college football quarterbacks coaches offensive coordinators you got good ones you got bad ones everything's different from year to year in the nfl if you are an nfl quarterbacks coach i mean you you know almost everything there is to know about quarterbacks. Um, so maybe that's his line of thinking. Anyway, he, he does go to the draft. Um, speaking of quarterbacks going to the draft or not going to the draft, did you see the Sam Ellinger video declaring he wasn't going to the draft? No, I didn't even get to check it out. What happened? So he the video wasn't very important. It was basically, he just announces he's staying in Texas. But where in the hell did Sam Ellinger think he was going to go? No one's drafting him. Yeah, like, I don't. Maybe he's sixth, seventh round. Yeah, I didn't like, see him. I, he's definitely how like you were talking about from. He's definitely one of those guys that you get to lead, go kind of go through the backup quarterback route for an extended period of time. Maybe sharpen the fundamentals and stuff before out. But yeah, it's interesting. It just goes to show you how, like in probably in Austin, Texas, he's like the guy. And so they were probably in Texas in general. And then so it's like to the inside their world, it's like oh my god, he's coming back. But then like when you take a step outside, it's like. We didn't really care regardless. You know, something, one of those situations. Yeah, I mean, Ellinger, like, is an average quarterback. Best. I mean, and he, his freshman year, he's really a time frame for college football because we're at the end of the season, but we haven't played the college football championship. Um, So... Two seasons ago, they beat Georgia, or two bowls ago for them, I guess. They beat Georgia in the, the Sugar Bowl. He had that performance. It was pretty good. But overall, like Sam Ellinger is an, a slightly above average college quarterback who like, didn't have the best year coming out of his junior year, or in his junior year. Him saying, I'm not going to the draft, dude, you, like, you would have been lucky to be taken off the board in any of the seven rounds. Like, we kind of knew this. Like, I just have the. I, it just shocked me that he made like a huge deal about it. I mean, I would have just had the. The. Thursday, somewhere in the middle of the week. I remember reading it in my bed, so it was either late night or early morning. Um, he enters the transfer portal. 
This is after his sophomore. He just finished his sophomore year at Georgia. Uh, his dad played it. We'll get to his dad. He started 11 games uh, for Georgia this year out of their 14. Seven of them at right guard. He played pretty much every spot on the offensive line. He was a freshman All-American. Uh, five-star recruit coming out of high school. Ranked third offensive tackle when he was leaving high school by 27, uh, 24-7 sports. And he was 22nd overall ranked recruit in the country when he was coming out of high school. He's from Knoxville. Dad, like I was just saying, dad and brother both played at Tennessee. He was a longtime Tennessee commit uh, before Butch Jones got fired. Then he backed off. Um, He said the main reason he went to Georgia was because of Sam Pittman, their offensive line coach, who just left and took the head coaching job at Arkansas. Uh, And then the rumor is that he's going to Tennessee, which makes sense. I mean... Dad, brother played there. That's probably the team he grew up rooting for really hard. It's probably his favorite team. He gets a, he gets college age, gets a commitment age, falls in love with his coach at Georgia, goes to Georgia. Coach leaves. Makes sense to go back home. Um, none of that's really that crazy. But here, here's where it get interesting. His dad, Kevin, is suing the Georgia Athletic Department and the manufacturer of a folding chair company. That's all I saw in whatever notification or tweet I saw this morning, and I was like, what in the hell is going on? So I do a little digging. Read, I, read, I read probably read 10, 15 articles on this today. So Kevin Mays, Cade Mays' dad, uh, is suing, like I said, suing the Georgia Athletic Department, I believe the board too, and the manufacturer of this folding chair company. Uh, so he... On a recruiting incident or recruiting visit in 2017, there's some event, recruiting event at Georgia, right? Uh, Cade and his dad go down. Um, and his dad, Kevin, has an assigned seat and a folding chair. And I guess there's a column behind the, where the folding chair When he gets to get up, when he goes to get up, there's not enough room between the table and the column that's behind him to kind of move. So it kind of restricted his. He gets his finger, his pinky on his right hand, caught up in the chair. It slices it off from the articles I read. It's his pinky tip of his pinky shoots across the room. I'm imagining at this point, there's blood like shooting out of his finger. Uh, Sam, the offensive line coach, Sam Pittman grabs the, the piece of finger that's on the ground now on the floor, throws it in a bag of ice. They take uh, Kevin Mays to the hospital. Uh, they end up, cutting his or like amputating a piece of his finger because they couldn't sew it back on and like so he has a par- piece of his finger partially removed at the, a hospital in Athens this happened in 2017 the Mays family or Kevin Mays filed lawsuit against Georgia uh, against this folding chair company and whatever all the other people he sued for this incident two days before the SEC championship game in 2019, the one they just played against LSU and got smoked. He files it December 5th. We've heard nothing, nothing we've heard uh, out of Georgia from between this and January. What's today? We're recording this January 9th. Yeah, so January 8th, January 9th, between December, a month, we don't hear a thing from Georgia about this. All of a sudden, this story comes up today after Cade Mays says that he enters the transfer portal. I don't know a lot about legal stuff. I don't know if he's going to win a lawsuit 
saying that something was wrong with the chair or whatever sue georgia because pinky got severed two years ago um but i do know that to or the rumor is he kevin believes that georgia someone inside georgia athletic department leaked the story about the loss to the media because the mays family was going to keep it quiet leaked the story about the lawsuit and in order to shine a bad light onto the mays family as Kate is entering the transfer portal um, to maybe get schools not looking at him in such a highlight. I don't know. Or maybe to say, like, if you take this kid, this is what this is the kind of stuff you got to deal with. Like, you're going to get sued. Uh, that's what he kind of believes happened. Kevin, his father. I, I think that's very likely. And I think if that were to be proven true, I mean, that's a lawsuit you probably win. And he probably gets paid a good, good bit for because it's. You're you're closing in on the defamation lawsuit there. Yeah, when I have first, you seen this story? Yeah, I first heard it. I did some recent. I was like, this can't be real. Like, this is one of the weirdest things. And it's like once again to keep it all under wraps. So that's a really good job by uh, I guess their public relations or whatever. Because it's like you didn't hear a thing about it, but it's just like whenever it comes out, it's just like what is going on here? Yeah, I thought that was crazy. Yeah, I, I had no words for that. When I was reading the story, I was like, oh, that sounds disgusting. And the the part where it like comes off, and the fact that the offensive line coach takes it and throws it on some ice, it's like what kind of foolishness? Like that's that, only in the south. Only in the south. It's everybody else leaves the room. Events over. It was a Georgia Met Gala, but in case, of course, in this situation, he just picks it up and probably goes back to eating whatever he's eating before. Yes. Yeah, so I this is what I'm thinking as I'm reading the story. Um, I get like halfway through the story, like I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I'm like I'm looking at it, and I stop and think to myself and just pause everything for a second I'm like this that only, only in the SEC do you have a kid or dad kid chooses to go to in the same conference um, your neighboring SEC school gets his finger sliced off by a folding chair at a recruiting event goes to the hospital they take a part of it off you sue the school nothing happens then your son announces he's transferring. Then the school is like, oh, you know what? Screw you. We're, we're dumping this report to the media so everyone can know what kind of a scumbag you are to kind of paint them like that. Yeah. And I think the only thing it does for Georgia is make them look like the scumbags because I don't really have an opinion about him filing a lawsuit um, that his finger got cut off. I would say, you know, I, I would think if he did that and, you know, we didn't find out about it until after uh, his son's already transferred and stuff, my opinion would probably be that yeah that was i would guess considering both guys went to play i mean this is a family of football players there's probably a little money in there somewhere somebody probably made some money playing football and i doubt they need lawsuit money but i I don't know their situation i really don't know how like I, i wouldn't care it wouldn't bother me but the fact that Georgia it kept it under wraps, like he wanted to keep it under wraps from what I read, the, Kevin Mays did, that seems like he just needed the money or something. He wanted to pay his medical bills, <clears throat> and he couldn't do it, but he knew Georgia could, and he felt like they were responsible for it. And he was trying to be a nice guy about it and not say anything. And then Georgia's like, you know what? He's screwing us, or he's suing us to so screw him. This only makes Georgia look bad because they look like the villain in all of this because, because they were the one once it found out that it got leaked from a Georgia staffer after his son 
immediately after his son declares for uh, transfer, like this is this is crazy. It, it makes Georgia look so bad in my mind. Yeah, it makes the program look really bad. And as a matter of fact, speaking of lawyers, you know, the law procedure, they've hired the same lawyer Shea Peterson and Justin Fields used to get uh, immediate eligibility. So I'm pretty sure at this point that, uh, what is it? The University of Georgia hates whoever this lawyer is because he got Justin Fields. Tom Mars. Tom Mars, yeah. that's the same. He got Justin Fields from them, and now he's about to get this guy. And it seems like a lot of times when these guys hire, hire these lawyers, they're able to work it out to where they get immediate eligibility. So that'll be something to watch for. Yeah, he's uh, – so Tom Mars, he does like – like you said, he helped Shea Patterson and uh, uh, Justin Fields get immediate eligibility at the schools they transferred to. Yeah. Um. So he kind of gets into that stuff with the NCAA and works with them and says, hey, like, we're appealing this rule that says you can't play until after he sits out of here. We want him to play this year. Let's work out a waiver. And he's gotten that for some big-name athletes. Um, and he's – I'm assuming he's doing – I think he's – from what I read, I think or trying to for Cade Mays I mean my client or like or my client's dad was like just trying to be like kind of a regular dude and not say much about it and they dumped this on him and now it makes them look trying to make us look bad and it really makes them look I, I I just I don't know. I don't know what Georgia whoever leaked that to Georgia media, I like I don't know what they were thinking. How would they thought that would have turned out? Like suing someone cuz your finger got cut off is like whatever, but like you like I don't really does anyone care about that? Like as a recruiting as a coach, like do you care if his dad sued the school because his finger got cut off? Like, I don't know. Just watch over and make sure his finger doesn't get cut off at any of your events. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I don't think it would have made him look bad in the begin to begin with. Like, if on, on Georgia's side, if, if like I don't th- I don't get their purpose in trying to do this. But I mean, it it it's stirred it's it has stirred up quite a storm with UGA. Um, I didn't get to see Paul Feinbaum talk about it today, but I missed it. But I wanted to see that, and maybe I'll tune in tomorrow. Maybe I'll call him. Maybe I'll give Paul a call. <laughs> call him to the Paul Fine Mom show and ask him about it. Uh, but, yeah, it, that was just just absolutely crazy. So, And I saw Cade, uh, the offensive lineman, is he said in some article, he was like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy to say, like, tensions are kind of high between my family and UGA right now. Like, yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, probably so. And they just got a lot higher. Um, but Kirby Smart, man, get your stuff in order. Like you got Jake Fromm leaving. You you should have assuming he tried to talk him out of it. Like that should have been a pretty easy talk down. Like, hey Jake, like you're probably not going first round, or you're probably not going second round. So why don't you just stay here, you know, another game and we'll make another run at it, make another run at the national championship. I mean, this is been proven to be one of the top four teams in the country, top five teams in the country over the last several years since you've been at college. Um, let's go get you that ring. Like, that should have been, I don't think, that shouldn't have been too difficult. 
But for whatever reason, maybe Fromm just maybe they did have that conversation. From still wanted to go to the NFL. But this whole thing, dude, you got to know. You there's a college football coach in the South, especially, but in the Big Ten, I would imagine the same thing. They know every single thing that happens on their campus with their players, with their players. They know everything. You cannot tell me that they don't. Um, you have got to have better control of your program than allow this to get leaked. So I would assume that Kirby knew this story was coming out about uh, the lawsuit, that that was coming to, to the surface before it came to the surface. If you're Kirby Smart, you, you got to stop that. Or you, If you don't know, it makes you look even worse because you don't even know what the hell is going on. You don't know who's talking to the media in, under your program. Um, and, and it could be you know someone outside of the football program, someone else like a booster or something from the athletic department who heard it from rumors and leaked it. Uh, but yeah, you, you got to have a better grip on your program. And if you find out that this person who did leak it is under your control, uh, I would probably cut ties with that person if I was Kirby Smart. I remember hearing Freddie Kitchens talk about this last year in NFL training camp. He said, there's not going to be any leaks in this building. If there's any leaks, they're out of here. And everybody's like, well, that's kind of obvious, big fella. But it was whatever. Obviously, Freddie Kitchens does not have a job anymore. But yeah, I remember hearing him say that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, There are no leaks in this building. And I'm sure there plenty, were plenty of leaks. And if they didn't leak it, the players were so aggressive, whatever they were saying, they might as well have leaked it. So yeah, so uh, I agree with you there. It's crazy how that works out. Like, I, I think Kirby Smart knew about it, too. I think he was trying to keep it under wraps. But like you said, it's like once you decide to transfer and then you're suing us, we're, we're going to put for uh, – we're going to fire this smoke. We're going to smoke this fire, excuse me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they just tried to do a little, like, getting back at the Mace family maybe, yeah. and it has backfired on them tremendously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, and Georgia is – like, you're not – you're still one of the best 10 teams in the country for sure. You're still – I mean – I would put Florida as the favorite in the SEC East next year, like right now, like not knowing who their quarterback is next year. Say they start saying right, but I mean, by the time we get to August, we'll have somehow replenished the well, replenish the, the, the ground, and I think they'll be fine. I mean, it's not like Florida's going to run away with the East next year. I can't imagine that. Um, I think Georgia, if Jake Fromm's still there, are probably the favorites to win the SEC. Period. Not just, not just. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think Jake Fromm does have a little bit with, to do with me kind of putting Florida above them, uh, considering Kyle Trask, who's not the. I mean, he's not Tim Tebow. He's he's a, an above-average quarterback, but he does have that experience. Uh, he's coming back at Florida next year, and I mean that's why I would put them above Georgia right now. Um, we'll move on. Oh, I wanna—I wrote this down on my notes. So I'm writing the rundown earlier, and I get—I uh, get a notification from the Athletic. It's a college football quiz. Go take this, Matthew. After we're done recording, um, and tweet tweet out your score, or text it to me, or something. So. The athletics gives me notifications like take our you think you know college football take our college football quiz see what you know I took this thing dude pretty damn hard like very specific questions uh, <laughs> like who said this and what month like what player like 
did this set this particular record on week seven of you know this year um i got a 26 out of 49 i should i i knew the answer to one i really should have got a 27 i didn't read all the answers uh either way but it's it's really hard but there is there is a will must champ question in there and that one i read the quote like it's a it's a you read the if it's a quote you read the quote and then you just click who said it and I, I get three words into this quote. The quote's probably 20 words. And I'm like, I already know where this is going. Where's my guy, my champ at here? Uh, one of his best quotes from the season. Probably, yeah, I'd say that's his best quote of the season. Um, but, yeah, it's on there. You can go go take the quiz. That's what I, so I just wanted to throw that in here. If you love college football as much as we do, just go take it. And it's kind of cool to take it and laugh a little. There's some funny things in there. But we'll get to uh, into this college football playoff national championship that's happening monday night in new orleans at eight o'clock um we won't talk too much about it as far as previewing it because at this point it's been talked about so much and i don't want to beat a dead horse i mean the i guess the advantage for espn having the college football championship two weeks after the last semifinal is they have something to talk about for the next two weeks so it has been on espn non-stop through the last two weeks um but yeah it's we know all the stats. We know these teams. Um, but I will say, LSU being the favorite in this game, they're a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, or I saw five-and-a-half. I saw six points most places. It, that's kind of surprising to me. I, I would have thought Clemson would have been favored by two, maybe three points. Um, but it's just, I mean, Dabo can finally say, correctly finally can say that Clemson is the underdog. I mean, this is the first time they've been the underdog. Uh, since I don't remember if they were favored last year against Alabama, I would imagine they weren't. I'd have to go back and look. Um, but yeah, this is, I mean, it's the first time they've been the underdog in a year. So I, that kind of shocked me. Um, but my picks, I'm taking LSU and the points. LSU minus five and a half. I think they win by six. And I'm taking under 69 and a half points. I don't think they quite get to 70. I think we're looking at 31, 24 somewhere in that range like they'll score some points but i I don't think it's gonna be a shootout like some people like everyone wants it to be like i I would love for it to be 65 59 some weird crazy high score i just don't think it's gonna be that so with that being said i'm taking lsu i got some things on the line my uh my girlfriend is a clemson grad so we made a little a little bet this weekend, and if if Clemson does happen to win, I gotta say goodbye to the the uh, the Corona tree that's in my living room that uh, she <laughs> hates. So I don't want to lose that. But who? What you got, Matthew? Who you got? Yeah, I got LSU winning by ten. I think it's gonna be an interesting. Really? Yeah, I think it's gonna be an interesting chess match. You got Brent Venables versus Joe Burrow, and you know his guys Insminger and Brady. I don't think Clemson had been able to get pressure on the Q quarterback. Like, uh, and I don't think, and I think the LSU offense line will com- continue to protect uh, Burrow. So I think they'll win that matchup. I think one to look at is going to be Darion Kendrick and AJ Terrell, which are the Clemson defensive backs who will go against Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is the second best receiver on this team. He had four touchdowns in the semifinal. And then don't forget Marshall Jr. Uh, and Thaddeus Moss. So they have like that receiving core is amazing. So I don't, We'll see. And also, I've noticed a lot of times, sometimes Isaiah Simmons struggles a little bit in pass coverage in these bigger games until, like, Clemson gets momentum going. 
And then obviously Clemson has pretty good receivers being you got Higgins, you got uh forgot their name too. You got Higgins, you got uh T Higgins, Amari Rogers, and Justin Ross. Stingley, whoever side hit that, whoever he's covering, I feel like he pretty much blankets them up. Who the opposite corner, I feel like it's gonna be the one to watch for. Both teams have quarterbacks that can run. I I consider Trevor more of a runner a little bit after watching his last game. And uh, Burrow's a little bit more of a scrambler. He can get the first down, but I don't see Burrow going for a 50, 60-yard run quite as much. And both teams have really good backs. And I think it was kind of impressive that uh, Clyde Hilaire – what's his Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He had a really good year to be in SEC West specifically. Like, obviously, Travis Etienne had a good year, and he didn't play in a lot of fourth quarter because he was already taking out the game. But Edwards-Hilaire had really good stats, so – it's a it's a fairly even matchup, but I definitely give LSU the advantage. I expect them to win by uh, like I, I like what you said, thirty one twenty four. That sounds really right, thirty four twenty, like something like in that range. But yeah, so I'm picking LSU. Okay, I like that. Um, yeah, I think the I think the battle really is kind of like you said in. On both sides of the ball is going to be DBs, three of the best receivers in the country, with Jamar Chase and uh, Jefferson and Moss, and any of those guys can catch the ball anywhere at any time, and that's a lot. That's a lot for defensive secondary. Clemson's receiving core is really good. Um, T. Higgins is on that same level. Uh, Ross had a pretty good game last time out against Ohio State, but yeah, there's like it, it's not it's not the same as I mean it's hard to say anyone is the same. I mean Alabama's is crazy too right now, uh, but they're about to lose some guys to the draft. It, it's that receiving core is unbelievable. It's one of the best receiving cores we have maybe ever seen in college football. It, right. Same with Alabama's. It, it's just crazy they're kind of playing at the same time. And Clemson has a good receiving core, but to compare it to LSU's is kind of tough. So I think you're looking right there, like you pointed out, at Clemson, Clemson's DB is going to be able to respond to that. Um, and I think the other interesting thing you, you pointed out is that you were looking at Trevor as more of a, a runner in this game. And I kind of have to agree, you know, when you said that, I kind of have to agree with you there. When you look back at the Ohio State game, he ran a lot. Yeah. Um, his guys recovered a lot down the field. Uh, and I think, you know, LSU's got a pretty good uh, defensive backfield. And I think if you got Stingley on T. Higgins, you're going to be able to lock that up for most of the night. Uh, not to say that, I mean, T. Higgins is a really good athlete, and there will be, at some point, I think he, you will just not be able to stop him on a couple of plays. But you have to, if you're LSU, your game plan in this game is you have to let your DBs cover and your linebackers be able to keep Trevor and your linebackers, your defensive end, keep Trevor Lawrence in the pocket, force him to throw the ball downfield. Because if you let him get outside uh, of the pocket and you let him take off, he'll make a guy miss. He'll spin out of something. And when you hit Trevor Lawrence, you've got to wrap him up because he's, he's massive. He's like six, six. So you, I mean, you have to wrap him up. We saw that a couple times in the Ohio state game where he got away from sacks. Uh, one of them was incredible. I mean, there's no way he should have gotten like, it, it shouldn't have been uh, uh, any question that he was sacked and he, he escapes it and takes it for a first down. Um, but, yeah, you, it, your LSU linebackers, your edge players have got to keep him in the box. And if he's going to run it, make him run it 
straight up the gut to where you can get to him as quick as possible and hit him as hard as you can. Um, legally, of course. But yeah, it, it's it's going to be I'm I'm just I'm very curious with this game. I it's I lean LSU if this is the semifinal, I take LSU no problem, like you said by 10 points. But because it's the college football playoff championship, it is the national championship. I do think that kind of gets in the guy's head sometime where you say, all right, this is the thing we've wanted. And LSU has said all year, like, we're not stopping here. Like, we want a national championship. We're not stopping here. We're not stopping here. So they've always had, you know, this is the game we've got to get through to get through our game. So they get this game. But in the back of their minds, the whole game, like, we're chasing a dragon. we got to do this so we can get to that college football playoff national championship. We want the national championship. Now you're here. Are you going to be able to get what you said you were working towards all year? I, I don't know. And on the other side of the football, Clemson's won two of the last three. So they know. I mean, Trevor Lawrence came in and won college football. He's never lost college football. Like, he, he's been unbelievable uh, throughout his whole career, other than the first, you know, five or six games of the season where he was above average. Um, and, and it's just... Like, I just think there's a lot to be said for a team that has already won and knows how things work and can calm their nerves. And I hope LSU can do that because they have been the best team in college football this year, and they definitely deserve to win the national championship. But deserving it and winning it are two different things. And Clemson is probably... The most complete team. I, I was not even probably. The Clemson is the most complete team they played all year, for sure. I mean, they played a really great competition, um, and I've said that all year on the lead block, of course. But this is the this is the most talented team in the country you're facing. They're one of the best coach teams in the country for the last several years. Are you going to be able to? Is Ogeron going to be able to out coach them? Because you can't just outplay Clemson. You're going to have to outcoach them. Um, and, and we saw some faults in, in Ryan Day's play in the semifinal. And we saw some faults in, you know, not capitalizing. You, you can't let Clemson hang around because they will find a way to beat you because their coaching staff will push their players to get that victory. If you're LSU, you need big chunk plays and you cannot settle for field, goal, for field goals which is not something we see them do often anyway. So it's just super interesting. Um, I mean, the biggest factor for Clemson is just the experience at this point. But LSU has been a wagon all year. And just watching them their last two games, their defense being able to stifle two offenses. Now, Oklahoma did score some points late. But, I mean, it's they're, they're definitely ready to go. We'll just see how calm they remain. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. It's going to be – should be great. I think you brought up a very good point. A lot of times when them big lights hit, obviously LSU playing a lot of big games. But it's like, okay, then they start struggling a little bit. But, yeah, I think they'll hopefully pull off the win. I'm definitely rooting for them. Might have to find somebody to bet on this game with and see if I can find somebody, a Clemson fan. I'll take me in on it, see if it makes some easy money. Oh, they're not too hard to find. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I was a Clemson fan, like, I would be – no doubt I'd be hyped up. Like, I'd think we were going to win this game like I'd be for sure because I mean like I said this is the best team that comes or that LSU's played all year um probably the best defense they've played all year I'm uh, Georgia Georgia you know is the only other argument that I'll hear 
Um, Florida, not quite as good as Georgia on defense. Auburn, the same. Not quite as good. But those two defenses, Georgia, this will be the best one they played since Georgia. And they put up 37 points on Georgia pretty quick. Um, but Georgia doesn't have the offense that Clemson has. Like, like Clemson, you have to play them both sides of the ball. And they're just, I mean, that's just the way they've been all year. All right, so we'll move on quickly to the NFL real quick. Got a little NFL this weekend. Um, we'll kind of roll through these games because there's some, some coaching stuff we want to talk about at the end real quick. But Vikings, Niners... 4.30 Saturday, South Carolina fans, if you have not been watching Debo Samuel this year, you need to turn on the 49ers game this weekend. He has become a leader in the season, more and more of a factor for the 49ers offense. He's been really good, really good, very phenomenal, making lots of moves. Um, I'm taking the Vikings, no doubt, in this game. Kirk Cousins had a little bit of magic down in the Superdome last weekend, beat Drew Brees, but I, I don't, like, I just don't see them beating the 49ers. 49ers have been good all year. I don't see them beating the 49ers. I'll take the Niners. I like uh, I like your guy Debo. Uh, I really like watching his defense. Well, I love watching the Bosa brother. Didn't think he was going to be as good coming in. Richard Sherman, who negotiated that contract, bet on himself, and end up collecting all his money. So I'm going to go ahead and take the 49ers in this one. Um, all right, we got Titans-Ravens, 8-15 Saturday night. Um... This was tough, man, because I, I, I know in my brain that the Ravens are going to win. Yeah. I, just, I just know that. I know Lamar's too good. I know that Mark, um, Mark Ingram's been too good. Their offensive line has been good. Mark Andrews is good. I mean, they've, they've just got playmakers on all over the offense, and their defense has been pretty good for most of the season. Uh, I've had a few games where they've given up a lot of points. But I, want, I will be rooting for the Titans so hard. I just kind of – like a – I don't know. The Vikings have been a fun team to kind of watch this year in Rufford because Derrick Henry has been unreal. Like he's he's running the ball like crazy, like he was at Alabama, um, and like he was. I mean, a lot of his high school stats have come out in the last week that are been, um, and you'll be playing crazy stats. But yeah, it's I, like I said, I want the Titans to win, and I'll be rooting for them. But I think the Ravens will do it. And I love watching Lamar. It's not that I'm rooting against the Ravens. I just am rooting for the Titans this week. Yeah, I think that's kind of crazy how you're saying. It's like Derrick Henry has dominated football on every level. It's like never been a time where it's, well, maybe, maybe middle, I don't know. But from what I've seen, I was looking in, obviously I'm not around any of these programs he's played at. He dominates on every level of the game. He's huge. I think, I think he still runs for, rushes for 100 yards, but I do think the Ravens advance in this round and Lamar keeps, and Lamar just keeps pushing. So I'm going to take the Ravens. I'll say this, so if the Ravens' run D has been pretty good this year, but if Derrick Henry gets 150 yards, if, you know, if he's um, Texans Chiefs, Texans Chiefs, excuse me, three o'clock Sunday. Great court. I've, you know, great, great matchup here out of that draft class from what, two, three years ago. Sean Watson, and who started it all at Clemson, and Patrick Mahomes. I'm taking, I didn't think the Texans would win last week. I certainly don't think they're going to win an Arrowhead. Arrowhead's probably 
Who would you say has the biggest home field advantage in NFL? I, I would say it's either the Packers or the Chiefs. Hmm. Seems like the Ravens have developed one. Sometimes New England, it seems like the years in past New England, but the Kansas City definitely has something there. And I like Philadelphia too. So I don't know, a lot of those teams, I think they all do. And the Saints. Oh, yeah, the Saints definitely have one. I, oh, my God, that's a lot of names. Yeah. I would say probably one of yeah, the, the biggest, Saints. probably the Saints and the Chiefs, if I had to guess. Okay. See, I'm, I'm against you on New England because I think, like, they haven't had to win on the road, but, like, when they've had to, they do. And obviously this year, I mean, they just lost against the Titans at home. But uh, it's not the first time in this dynasty that they've lost. And I, I mean, I think this dynasty is coming to a close. Like, people are just getting too old. Um, but I don't think they're done yet. I'm, I, won't, I won't believe it until I see it. But, yeah, so I kind of exclude the Patriots from this argument because I think when the Patriots have had to win on the road, they've done it, and they have lost at home. So I don't think it's, like, some huge home field advantage. I, I don't think it really matters to them. But I think for the Chiefs being an arrowhead, that matters. And those fans are – that's pr- one of the closer to being a college football environments you can find. Uh, the Packers, you get a strong – I mean, anytime you're in Lambeau, it's a huge, huge advantage for the home team. Um, but, yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs. Who are you taking? Who are you taking? Some, that's Sunday at 3 o'clock. God, I want, I want Deshaun Watson and them to pull it off. And I will be rooting for them heavily, but I think the Chiefs will get the win too much. They start very slow in Houston, and like uh, for the, I think the first half of that game, pretty much last week, and they said they they belonged in the playoff. So although I will be rooting for them, and I might bet on them, I am still uh, I, I think the Chiefs will get the win. I just I hate betting against Deshaun Watson, but I do think the Chiefs will get this win, and they'll continue to have, and the uh, Chiefs will continue to advance. Yeah, and Watson had a crazy game last week against Saint. I mean, like he had. A, a fantastic game, not against the Saints, excuse me. Um, but, yeah. All right, Seahawks, the last one, Seahawks-Packers, Sunday night, 640. All right, so last Sunday, this is like 7 o'clock, 730. I go to turn on NBC, like just out of pure muscle memory, like, oh, it's 730 on a Sunday, it's time to turn on NBC and and uh, watch Al and Chris call this Sunday night football game. Boom, turn it on, no Sunday Night Football. And I'm like, what in the hell is this? I forgot. Uh, like, there's, like, I was already watching the fourth quarter of the last game of the day. Uh, thanks to the Golden Globes, um, who, I, like, I just could not care less about a word show. I mean, I guess a lot of people do. I don't know what the ratings are. But this Sunday, we do have a, a kind of a Sunday Night game. It starts a little bit earlier, 640, um, which I kind of like the 640 start time. Seahawks, Packers. I I think I just I know I just said Lambo is the biggest one of the biggest home field advantages in NFL football. I I just think the Seahawks are going to win. I just have like a funny feeling that the Seahawks are going to win. Yeah, I was thinking well, this one's probably one of the tougher ones for me to pick because uh, it's been it's crazy. The who is it? Mike McCarthy leaves and the Packers have such a great year in the first round bye. It's going to be extremely cold out there and all that that comes with it, but I am going to go ahead and I'm going to roll with Russell Wilson. I'm really liking Russell a lot. I'm glad they picked okay. up beast mode, and I'm hoping that they can go out here and get this win and uh, can continue to go into the playoffs because I really want to see them play the 49ers for the NFC. So I'm hoping that happens, and I'm going to go ahead and pick the Seahawks. Okay. 
All right. I think we're on the uh, the same page on every pick today. I think that's the first. Um, yeah, the uh, the Seahawks Niners. If the Seahawks play the 49ers and if if the Seahawks win this week, that will be in the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I don't think the I don't think the Niners are going to beat the Seahawks. I, I think the Niners could beat the Packers in the conference championship, but I just don't. I think the Seahawks just like I, I like they're kind of they're just they have something extra to them when it comes to playoff football. Um, all right, we'll move on quickly. We're at, we're getting to the end of the show here. Got a few things left, a few little coaching changes this week, some, some big coaching changes. So we talked about Matt rule the other day on Monday. He goes to Carrie, he goes to Charlotte, goes to Carolina, uh, for a Monday meeting. The giants are supposed to meet with him Tuesday. The giants are so stupid. For and I don't even know why I didn't bring this up on Monday's show. You you can't let your number one coaching guy, your number one prospect, meet with another team first because he all happened is the Panthers are like they walked out of whatever meeting feeling impressed and like we're just gonna pay him how much ever it takes. So he gets seven years and sixty five million dollars or whatever it was seven years sixty million, and the Giants don't get the guy that everyone kind of thought they were gonna get. The Panthers get him. Um, now, I don't know what this hire it's I'm not I don't know I'm not gonna pretend to know nearly as much about NFL football as I do about college football. Um the Panthers obviously saw something in Matt Roll that they like to pay him that much. It's an interesting hire. I'm I don't know if it'll work. Um I don't know that any NFL coach will work. Uh but I will say or I'll, let me ask you this first. Do you think this hire, Matt Roll to the Panthers or Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury to Arizona was a better hire. I really, really like that Cliff Kingsbury hire. Uh, hire. I just felt like with them getting Kyler Murray, I feel like that one right now is kind of iffy because you know they won a couple games. It worked better than I think what some people thought it would, but they still have a long way to go. But I really love that hire. This one is more of a okay. We'll see how that one turns out. By the way, a little bit of history on uh, Matt Rule. Uh, my, yeah, Matt Rule. He got Temple for being trashed. A 10-2 regular season uh, uh, 10-2 regular season record. Consecutive uh, consecutive conference championship games and then their first conference championship since 1967. He took Baylor from 1-11 to 11-1 playing in the Sugar Bowl. And so, yeah, and then obviously with him getting his hire, his first big thing is going to be to figure out he wants to keep Cam Newton or send the packing. But, yeah, I really love that Cliff Kingsbury hire, so I'm always going to root for that one. I tell you what, if Matt Rule, I've never been a Panthers fan, um, if Matt Rule sends Cam Newton packing, I'll be, I will, I will buy a Matt Rule. This is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. Cam Newton is the guy in Charlotte. This is, that. that's terrible. What'd you say? I'll be Matt. I'll become a Matt. I hate anyway. I can clearly hear Matthew. I don't know if the listener can. He said Cam Newton sucks. Um, and this he is agrees a lot. with me. You love Cam Newton. I cannot <laughs> believe this. <laughs> um, yeah, but Matt. So I will go back to that question that I asked you. Cliff Kingsbury to me is ten times bigger of a head scratcher. Right, Matt Rule, you have a guy who turned around a program. Um, Baylor, I think he 
got a little lucky. I mean, they won a lot of close games late with some bad teams. They went to overtime with some bad teams and walked out of a victor. Uh, but and they did have a great game against Oklahoma. They didn't or two like pretty good games, but they didn't. They couldn't win. Um, and they end up going to a bowl game against Georgia and getting beat. And they had a good season, and he resurrected them from the dead. Uh, and a lot of reasons, like in everything surrounding that football program, more than just what was on the field, for sure. And he did a great job with that, and he did a great job at Temple. Um, so this is the hire that I'm like, he didn't do a lot, but his name's been mentioned in the NFL for a while now. He's with the Giants in 2012, and he's got a lot of NFL connections. Cliff Kingsbury, to me, last year was a way bigger head-scratcher to me because he hadn't won crap. I mean, he sucked at Texas Tech. He couldn't win in the Big 12. And then you hire – he gets fired, and you hire him to be a head coach in the NFL. Um, and I mean, yeah, like, yeah, I get the whole quarterback coach, like, relationship, and he – he had it with Kyler, like they were gonna do, but just like Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, why would you make him a head coach? Why not just bring him in as the offensive coordinator or the quarterbacks coach for God's sakes? It's like I just don't, I didn't get that hire, and I'm still not sold on it. Like I'm not gonna rip on him too much, just because I don't know. I still don't know what's gonna. I don't think he's gonna have success there. He could. I really just don't think. Matt Rule to me in a division where the Falcons suck this year and Matt Ryan's aging every day, um, in a division where Drew Brees is, could have possibly played his last, in the last NFL game, and no one's really talking about that, um, in a division where you have Jameis Winston looking for uh, a contract again with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, you, this is a winnable decision. Like, if you're Matt Rule, this is, this is probably the... Or, Winnable division. This is probably the best situation you can find yourself in, right? As long as long as Drew Brees retires, this is about as good as it gets for you, because the Falcons are probably going to fire Dan Quinn next year when they get four or five games in and realize he's not changed anything. And if Drew Brees doesn't go back to New Orleans, like you're pretty set because you're going to beat the Buccaneers and Bruce Arians, and Jameis is just going to throw like too many pick sixes. They'll win games, but like, I think this is the, about the best place you could be if you're Matt Rule. Um, so I, I like the hire from Matt Rule's perspective. Sure. And anytime you get seven years and $60 million, I mean, take like They offer me seven years, $60 million. I'm sorry, Matthew, but you're going to be doing the show on your own. So, <laughs> like, I, like, I just, I mean, that's a good, I, I, it's a good position for him to be in. The other one, uh, Mike McCarthy to Dallas. This one did kind of surprised me a little because I was kind of sold on Mike McCarthy going to Cleveland. That's been a rumor for a while now, for, for a long while, uh, and that didn't happen. But like we said, you know, when Dallas comes to calling, like, you go to Dallas. If that's, that's the most attractive lady on the block. So when she calls, like, you, you go on a date with her. It, it's And you get the chance to lock that down. But he had like a sleepover with Jerry Jones. That was kind of weird. Jerry's just weird. And, and but anyway, like I don't know. What whatever you do, it, it's a good place for him to be. It's a good place for anyone to be. Like if I'm a coach in the NFL, Dallas is probably like your number one choice. It's Texas. I mean, for all the reasons we talked about the other day, like it, it's it's a really good job to have. 
Yeah. From what I understand, this is some of the other commentators. One of the interesting three things about them hiring Mike McCarthy is Mike likes to abandon the run game and obviously have Ezekiel Elliott. Like, so once that run game is not working, he likes to go to the throwing and they will, Dak Prescott will have his new contract by then. But that's something to look out for too. But then I had Greg Jennings made a very good point. He was saying, but he's never had a running back like Ezekiel Elliott. So I'm sure he'll work his offense around that. Also, I was kind of really starting to like the idea of either Lincoln Riley or Urban Meyer heading there. I knew it was wishful thinking. I went to see Urban Meyer back there, but that did not happen. So, yeah, so that's what's going on with the Cowboys. I'm sure that I think they've already had the introductory press conference, so they're making moves on that. But also the Giants hired Joe Judge. I didn't even know who Joe Judge was. I was like, who is this guy? That's <laughs> Tom. No, no one does. No one. No one knows who Joe Judge is. Like, you're yeah. not the only one. You said the same thing I was thinking. Giants hire Joe Judge. Who the hell is Joe Judge? Yeah, and you also tell for the most part, uh, most NFL teams kind of just take another team guy they fired and bring them in. So it's like, who is this guy? But then I figured out he worked under Belichick. He's a wide receiver and special teams coach for the Patriots. Last time wide receiver coach became a head coach that I remember was Dabo Sweeney. I was kind of – I didn't know how to feel about it being the Clemson fan last time. So I was like, huh, how is this going to work out? Obviously, that worked out for Clemson. So maybe this will work out. I'm going to keep my mouth shut about this one because I also did not agree with the Giants getting Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins, and that ten, that was a good pickup. So I'm going to see what happens with this one. I ain't going to talk too much about it. Oh, uh, okay. The the Dabo, the Dabo line, That's that was a pretty good callback there. Yeah. Um, I like that, but – yeah, I mean, like you said, no one knows who, who the hell Joe Judge is. I mean, special teams coordinator. Everyone keeps weighing wide receivers coach. If you have special teams coordinator in your title, I don't get why that's not the title put in front of his name. It's more impressive to me that he coaches special teams and that he's a yeah. wide receivers coach. Yeah. Like, you can, like, I could be a wide receivers coach in the NFL. You just tell, I mean, you just tell your receivers to catch the damn ball. Like, it's not that hard. But, um, like, it, it's, it's interesting. I don't put a lot in the Belichick coaching tree. I mean, You've gotten guys from there. We're we're seeing. Uh, um, oh boy, my mind's blanking. Um, Detroit. Who's my guy in Detroit? Blackbeard. About. Where's oh, I know who you're talking about. Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia. Yeah. Yeah. I blanked there for a second. Yeah. Matt, I mean, we're seeing him struggle. Like we've seen other Belichick coaches struggle. Now we do have Mike uh, or Vrabel, who was you know a player for the. Patriots back in the day uh, won a Super Bowl with or won a couple of Super Bowls I think with the Patriots at Tennessee and he's doing just fine this year um, but at, like I don't put a whole lot in the Belichick's coaching tree Andy Reid's coaching tree Andy Reid can't win a Super Bowl but everyone who coached for him can um, that, that's a different story but it's it's a weird hire I don't really know what to say about it like I said earlier I'm not going to pretend like I know NFL coaching you know like I know college coaching um, but it's, I mean, we'll see it, giants keep hitting and missing. We'll just see. I honestly thought they might've tried to get Tom Coughlin back one more time and just deal with that grumpy old man and see if he can win a super bowl, uh, or just make them relevant again. At least, I mean, at this point, giants fans, you, you gotta just be hoping for eight and eight. Like that would make you feel good. I would think, I mean, after going two and, you know, excuse me, 14 for the last 85 years. Um, oh, the one thing I will say about this is, I, Matthew, I know you are a little bit of a Mike Francesa guy. I know who you know who he is. But uh, for all those Giants fans who do know Mike Francesa, I'm a fan of Mike Francesa. Mike Francesa liked the hire from what I saw. Like, he liked the hire 
a lot. So that definitely means it's going to be the worst Siren Giants football. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got we got the other news. The last news we'll get to for today. Um, we were going to record about noon Thursday, so we could definitely release it on Friday. Something came up. We had to push it to Thursday night tonight. So here we are. Matthew, I am so glad we didn't record at noon because we would have missed what we have been talking about since October, September. Mike Leach has left Washington State. I thought for sure he would not leave. We talked about this last week when we talked about the Mississippi State coaching job. I, I thought there was no chance. And then I saw a report of Mississippi State's AD being in the Bahamas interviewing Mike Leach. And I knew for a fact there was no way Mike Leach was leaving that beach and not being a Mississippi State Bulldog. He's, he, I just saw the video of him getting off the plane in Starkville, ringing the crap out of a cowbell. I mean, that, that is just the weird little things. Like, he's, he's going to love cowbells. Um, Mike Sardi, he's, he's got some great tweets. His first tweet was, was really good uh, as a Mississippi State head coach. But... I love Mike Leach. God, I love him. If you are a Mississippi State fan, you should be going to hide under a rock. This is not a good hire. <laughs> if you're a Mississippi State fan, I I just do not think it's going to work. I hope it does. I will be rooting for Mike Leach just as hard as any Mississippi State fan next year. I, I want to see him succeed so bad. I want to see him succeed in this conference. And I hope Mississippi State is a top-four team in the country over his entire career there. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. He, he, like, he had a one, one or two, one really good year at Texas Tech, um, and he's had one good year with, you know, one top-15 year with Washington State last year. Like, it, it's just, it's, I don't see the record the Good news with Mississippi State fans, if you want to win some games, like he's going to be able to, I think, with the offense he runs, you don't Mike Leach is for a long time one with like not the greatest recruits in the world. Like he seems someone who can run the ball, run real fast downfield and catch the ball. And a quarterback who can just throw it and be pretty accurate. I mean, I don't think that's gonna be too hard to find in the South. It'd be a lot a lot easier to find than what Pullman, Washington. Um but the problem is now, instead of facing the Pac-12, you're facing the SEC West. It, that That's going to be tough for Leach. Uh, I can't wait until Leach comes to Columbia for his first time. I will for sure be, Hill, uh, <laughs> be here. I'm going to make sure I get to Mississippi. I've never been to Starkville, never seen a Mississippi State football game um, at their stadium. What's it called? Something Dode Stadium. I don't remember. But... Um, I will make sure to get to Mississippi State, Starkville to see a game before Mike Leach gets fired. Uh, so probably by the end of 2021 season, because I don't think he's going to be there for long. Um, it's this this hire to me just isn't a step forward. I almost think it's a step backwards or to the side. Like you get a guy that's funnier at media days, who's a great guy, who is any university would love having represent them. No, no doubt. But on the football on-field product, I'm not so sure that Jordan Moorhead wouldn't have done the same thing for you over the next four years that Mike Leach is going to be able to do. 
I thought it's interesting. A couple things you said, and I have a little bio for this. I wanted to just, just for the listener to really understand who Mike Leach is. This is very interesting that you say. Uh, it's like of all places he went, even if he was going to have some success, he went to SEC West, where he'll face your guy at Ole Miss. Uh, what's his name? I got it. Relaine Kiffin. You go play Relaine Kiffin, baby. Nick Saban. is going to be sweet. LSU, it's like that's literally the toughest division. So even if he was going to have success, it's like you probably you, there's a good chance you'll never make it to the SEC championship games. Forget the playoff. But something on Mike, uh, Mike Leach, uh, he had recently agreed to deal with Washington State that was going to go through 2024. Was close to getting the Tennessee job two years ago before the athletic director got fired. What I thought was interesting was he had talked to Arkansas before they hired the Georgia offensive line guy. And so I feel like that almost would have been a better fit because they already had players there that kind of fit his style of offense. He went 55 and 47, eight seasons in Pullman and took the Cougars to a school record five consecutive bowl games over the past five seasons. Last year, they had the 11 win year in number 10 national ranking. Before his arrival, Wazoo did not appear in a bowl game for eight straight seasons and had just won nine games in four years under previous coach Paul Wolf. And earlier, this is actually a fun thing. Earlier this season, Leach, as part of the college football's 150th anniversary, was asked what was the worst visiting team's locker room he'd ever been to. And he said, without hesitation, Mississippi State. And what are the odds that he ended up at Mississippi State? That's a little fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) I, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I remember watching that press conference. I don't remember if I watched it live or if I watched the clips of it. I usually try to catch Mike Leach's press conferences because they're so entertaining. Um, now it'll be a heck of a lot easier for me to watch this Mississippi State, and I'm keeping up with them anyway. Uh, yeah, that's that's really funny. I uh, look, Mike Leach, like you said, you know, to several bowls. Mike Leach will get you to a bowl game. I mean, there, there's no doubt. But if you're Mississippi State, like you can find any run of the mill. Like Joe Moorhead was getting you to a bowl game. Uh, granted, he lost at the Louisville, but. Like, you can find any run-of-the-mill coach to get you to a bowl game. Like, that's not the hardest an SEC team. You schedule cupcakes because you don't really need to beef up your schedule at all. Your conference, your your rival is in conference, so you're not like a South Carolina or a Florida where you have to eat one of those four non-conference games on a tough team. Um, well, Florida State's been down, but, you know, on an out-of-conference team that's already scheduled for you, go schedule four cupcakes win those four, beat Arkansas, beat, you know, Vanderbilt if you play them um, out of the East that year. Just beat one of the teams from the East because one of the teams from the East is going to suck because it's either going to be, unless you play Georgia and Florida in the same year, it's going to be South Carolina or Tennessee who thinks they're going to be amazing next year. I think they're going to be good. I don't think they're going to be great. Uh, I think they might get to eight wins in the regular season, seven or eight, certainly not a 10-win team. Um, beat Tennessee, beat Vanderbilt if you play them, beat Kentucky, it, like those teams, or beat Missouri. Like those are all teams that you should beat, or you can definitely beat. Like you can steal a game here and there, and, or beat Ole Miss. I mean, hell, Ole Miss ain't that good. Like we'll see what Lane Kiffin does. I'm rooting for him too. This is a very confusing time for me when Mississippi football because I love Lane Kiffin and I love Mike Leach. Um, my two favorite coaches in co- two of my favorite coaches in college football uh, who are still coaching are both in the state of Mississippi. So I might find myself moving to Mississippi um, sure, here man. in the next few weeks just so I can cover these two because I would love that. 
Yeah, so it's going to be great to watch Mississippi football. It's going to be excitement. I, some people from East Mississippi Community College, some of these JUCOs, probably going to head over to this, uh, Oxford and uh, Starksville to catch on some of these games. And Egg Bowl should be great to watch, too, as well. Oh, yeah, Egg Bowl is going to be great. I mean, it's already getting super hyped up on Twitter, which makes me like, all right, this game's going to suck now just because everyone's hyping it up. But it's going to be pretty damn good. I Like, SEC media days are going to be pretty good. you got Lane Kiffin. Uh, he's really good. Muschamp's good with media. Um, Dan Mullen kind of has some fun sometimes. You got Mike Leach. That's gonna that Mike Leach's press conference at SEC Media Days might be three hours. Like he might just keep talking. Um, <laughs> and like you got Saban's pretty good. Like he he's not gonna give you much, but he'll have some funny interaction with a reporter. Um, like you'll like you have some characters in the room now. I think Sam Pittman, by the look of him, he's going to be a good guy when it comes to the media. I, I feel I got a good feeling he's going to throw out some quotes that that we're going to want to pay attention to. Um, but yeah, that's it, it's it shocked me a little uh, because, like you said, he did sign that extension at Washington State. I just thought he would stay, but it turns out he didn't. And I mean, I think Mike Leach has always been. You know, he said plenty of times that he wants to come back to the SEC and. Um, this is where he got to start with Kentucky and we'll see how it goes. Um, but I mean, who knows? Uh, all right. That's going to be it, it for us pretty much. Um, go follow the show right now on Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Keep up with us and we'll let you know when that show is coming out after the college football playoff yeah. national championship. Um, going to be a great game between both sets of Tigers Monday night. And we will see. Hopefully, I won't be getting rid of my Corona tree. Uh, I love this thing. Um, maybe I'll move it into the studio if we get rid of it in here. Uh, maybe I can just talk talk that into the deal. We can use it in the Garnet Media Studio. We will, Speaking of the studio, we'll be back in the studio. We're at about a 95% assurance that we will be back in the studio for the next show. Um, so we'll sound a lot better, a lot better again. And, uh, subscribe to the show. That's the other thing I was going to say. Make sure you leave us a five-star rating. Re- leave a review. Uh, like I said, follow us on inter- Twitter and Instagram at the lead underscore block. Go follow Matthew at Matt, the chosen one with a number one. Myself at Tyler Walter CNR. Um, thank you to Ben Sound for our music. Matthew, you got any last words? No, that's it, man. Um, all right. Well, we will see you next monday i think that was all i was supposed to say like i said we don't know when you have listened to this by now you've listened to the whole thing um this was supposed to be a short show but this is gonna be we usually try not to go over an hour we're in an hour 10 um yeah crazy stuff happening in college and nfl football this week that's all we're gonna get to so we will see you when we have a national champion um peace This podcast is part of the Garnet Media Group Podcast Network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcasts and other student work on garnetmedia.org.